Hello. Got a full house tonight. It's good to see you guys. How you guys feeling? Doing all right? Who enjoyed our, uh, our, our time of reading the word first tonight? Did anybody get anything out of it? Like God's already been speaking to you? You recommend we do it again next Tuesday? I appreciate that recommendation. If, in case you came in a little bit later, the first thing that we did tonight, before we sang any songs, before we worshiped God, we read the passage that I'm about to preach from tonight. And we just read it uh, in, in small little groups, however we partnered up. And we just, I just wanted you guys to have an opportunity for God to speak to you first. And just to see what he was speaking to you about your personal situation. Um, and I figured it would be good practice for us. I, I know... I believe that for some of us, it was refreshing to see how easy it was to read the Bible and to get something out of it. Because I know sometimes that can be challenging. You know, there are times that I sit down and I'm like, yeah, I'm getting nothing. And, but here's what I've realized, especially in this season. In this season, I've had a lot of questions. I've had a lot of things that I'm trying to figure out, a lot of answers that I've been looking for from God. And what I've found is, Every time I go to the scriptures, I've been going with my questions. And it's just not a good way to approach reading the word. And I've, I've preached on this before. I've shared this before. And I still have been doing it for like a good amount of time. Just because it's a new season of life. And I've been feeling this pressure and this weight to make all these decisions and figure stuff out. And then finding frustration that I feel like God speaks to me about what y'all have going on, but not about me. Like, I'll come with a word, I'll have a sermon, and I'll be like, okay, I feel like you're speaking, just not the things that I'm asking about. And I want to encourage you that I've found this is kind of how God works. It's not that he doesn't care about me, it's not that he doesn't care about you, but God has a plan that you wouldn't understand if he explained it to you. And you wouldn't understand, you wouldn't value, you wouldn't appreciate because God's ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And so sometimes you're coming with, one, the wrong questions, two, the wrong assumptions. And many times I find that when I put my questions to the side and I just approach God wanting to know about him and wanting to learn and wanting to grow and wanting to gain whatever he wants to speak to me, then he starts speaking. And I have to check my own heart to be okay with God saying what he wants to say and him being God and not me. And so I wanted to present this opportunity to you tonight because I knew that this was the passage that God wanted us to uh, dive into tonight. And I just believe that for many of you guys, you got uh, a heads up already. You probably could have left before we even sang a song like, oh, God spoke to me. I know what to do next or I got... And that's not always how we leave the word, but I do believe that God always leaves us better than how we showed up. And so, even though you got a heads up, we are going to dive into it tonight. Uh, the title of tonight's talk, I feel like it's more of a talk than your classic sermon or message. It's not that I don't have points. It's not that I'm not going to preach. I just feel that, especially in this time, like, we don't need to just be, like, yelled at and, like, talked to. I feel like we need to be talked with. I feel like that's the kind of space I'm in right now. Like, I need to be talked with. Like, I need God to, like, get down with me a little bit and, like, 
have a conversation and maybe encourage me a little bit. Anybody else feel that way? I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But this isn't like I'm not in like motivation space, like just work harder, be more holy, wake up earlier. And sometimes we can think that's how God wants to come at us. And I've just found that God is much more kind than that. And I have to remind myself of that sometimes. But the title of tonight's talk is Crossing Over. Crossing Over. And I'm not talking about any basketball moves here, even though, even though I do feel like, just a side note, I, I feel like this, this generation, this era, does not have an appreciation for the fundamentals for the simplicity, you, you didn't grow up uh, like, like I grew up just because I'm just a few years ahead of most of you guys watching Allen Iverson and watching these commercials and old videos of him explaining how he would do his crossover and then going out to the park and trying that. You just didn't have that experience. And now you guys got too many moves. You got step backs. When I go to the gym and try to hoop with, with young guys, they're doing too much. They don't have an appreciation for the fundamentals. Everybody's trying to step back, step back, shoot from the half court line. And you don't have an appreciation for the, for the greatness of something as simple as a crossover. But that's not what tonight's message is about. Tonight's message is about what we started reading in Joshua. Uh, what we started reading was Joshua chapter one. And the setting of this is Joshua is stepping up to lead Israel. Uh, And Moses, one of the greatest prophets to ever live, one of the greatest leaders of God's people to ever live, has died. And he's died, and now a new season is upon these people, and God is about to bring them into something he's been talking about for a long time. And he's about to send them on this mission that he's been talking about for a long time. He's been talking about this mission for generations He talked about it with Abraham, and then Abraham had Isaac, and Isaac had Jacob, and Jacob had 12 sons, and those 12 sons gave birth to really the nation of Israel, and then a period of 400 years went by where they were enslaved, and then God brings them out of Egypt under the leadership of Moses, crossing through the Red Sea. All these miracles take place, and then they wander in the desert for 40 years because of their unbelief, Uh, but I would also say that I think that that time was necessary. I, I know that On one hand, it was their fault. On the other hand, I don't see God ever bring anybody into a promise quickly. I don't ever see God bring anybody into a promise, a big promise that has big requirements quickly. And God used this time that they had in the wilderness to teach them a lot of things about who he is and about who they were, opportunities to see their flaws, see their weaknesses, see their shortcomings. And I've just found that God has a tendency to do that in all of our lives. And so you see what what should have taken them or could have taken them 11 days to get from leaving Egypt to this promised land took 40 years. And Yes, it was their fault. But at the same time, I believe it was for their good. And I believe the same thing is true for for you and I. Sometimes, Sometimes things happen in our lives that are our fault. But it's because of how we're operating at the level we're at. I want you to catch what I'm saying. So when they when they came out of Egypt, they did not know God. So they lived and they operated and they thought like people who don't know God. 
And so, of course, they had unbelief. And they responded to God, even when he was promising something to them, even when he was trying to show them something, they responded with unbelief, much like you and I, many times. God says he has good plans for you, and you doubt it. I doubt it. There are seasons where I feel like, yeah, we're going there, and then there are seasons like, what is happening? I thought the plans were good. Am I the only one? Okay, because I said I I was going to talk with y'all tonight. So some, there are seasons where, where our flaws are exposed, where our shortcomings are exposed, and I'm finding that we become better as a result of this. We, we get to know God better as a result of this, and it's his kindness many times that leads him to process us before he just walks us into the promised place. And so what we're seeing is 40 years have passed by, a generation has died off, and now the next generation is about to enter this land. And God has a talk with the next leader, and his name is Joshua. And so Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, I'm in the ESV, says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, All the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous." Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Powerful passage of scripture. Before they cross over, God has a conversation based on what he knows they're going to encounter when they get to where they're going. And he has this conversation with Joshua because Joshua has the immense responsibility of leading this people. And there's a weight that comes with leading people. There's a great responsibility that comes with leading people. And God wanted to make sure that Joshua managed the weight the right way. And he wanted to make sure that Joshua knew the things that he needed to know in order to lead this people into the place that they were going to go. The reason we're reading this tonight is because God is a commissioning God. I did a message earlier this year where I, talk, where I said that God is a saving God, but he's also a sending God. And we talked about this passage and how it's connected 
to the Great Commission because God commissions people all throughout Scripture. He sends people on missions, and God has sent his people, his church, on the greatest mission of all time. And and it's here in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus, after he resurrects, he comes to the disciples and he says this, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You should see a parallel there as to how God commissions people. God commissioned Joshua and the Israelites to go into their promised land. And then God commissions the apostles to go into their promised land. And ultimately, it wasn't just the apostles, but it's you and I. We still have the same mission today. We are still in this mission of going into all the world and making disciples. And what we need to understand is what Jesus taught. He says, teach them all that I've commanded you. What did he tell to Joshua? He said, make sure you observe everything that I have commanded and you're careful to understand it and obey it so that you will have success. I believe the same thing is true today. The teachings of Jesus are necessary for us to walk out the calling of Jesus. And it's something that we have to understand because sometimes, and I've noticed, especially in our generation, that many of us, we skip to just following Jesus in our head more than we really are following the teachings of Jesus. And it's so important. He says to his, to his disciples, he says, baptize people, make, this, make disciples, baptize them and teach them all that I have commanded you. This is still the mission of the church today. You and I have this mission Right here. And I say you and I, no matter where you are on the spectrum of salvation, because whether you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, you're still commissioned to this. You're just a little bit further behind everybody who's made this decision, because ultimately all people are called to God. God came to reconcile all people to Himself. He says that His desire is for all people to know Him, to come to a knowledge of the truth, and to be saved to know God. God. Jesus said that he did not come to condemn the world, but he came to save the world. That's you and I. That's each and every person. And his goal for you is, is not just for, just for you to stop sinning. Because much of the, the narrative is just revolved around our behaviors. No matter where we go, most discussion about, especially the Christian faith, is surrounding behavior. And it's not that God does not change our behavior as we get close to him, but I will say, I don't think he wants that to be the focus of every single one of our discussions. We need to be talking about him. And a lot of times we're talking more about behaviors than we're talking about God himself, the nature of God, the character of God, the love of God. And we want people to change behaviors before they know God. But changing your behavior will never save you. You can change all the behaviors in your life. And if you have not received Jesus and received the forgiveness of your sins, received his Holy Spirit, stepped into the covenant with him that he's cut with his blood, 
And if you don't know what any of that means, it's not time to change your behavior yet. It's time to get to know God. Because if you do not have Jesus, you do not have salvation. And once you have salvation, then you can enter the process of sanctification. He is the Lord who sanctifies. He is the God who cleanses, who changes. It's the nature of what he does. You cannot be close to God and not change. And here's why I'm telling you this, because some of you in the room, you need to hear that God doesn't just want you to change. He wants you to know him and he's going to change you. That's, that's part of what comes with being around him. When you get around God, the Holy One, the one who is different, the one who's different from everyone, he wants you to be like him. So, of course, to be like him, you have to become different than how you are. So the nature of being in relationship with God is going to lead us to change. However, God is not expecting for you to change from a distance so that he'll accept you into heaven one day. And sometimes that's the narrative that you're hearing. And sometimes that's the narrative that we're pushing on people. And so I'm saying that to those in the room who need to hear it and those in the room who also need to hear it because we need to change the message we're sharing. We need to know God. And ultimately, that's what God was saying to Joshua is, you need to make sure that you understand a few things. And the first thing is that I am with you. And that's going to be the first point tonight, what you need to know as you are crossing over, because you have a mission, this great commission that you've been on, baptizing people in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost, making disciples of all nations. This great commission that God has called you to, you need to know that God is with you. That's the first thing that I want you to write down tonight. God is with you. God says this to Joshua, and Jesus says it to his disciples. Joshua 1.5, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. I've read that verse a billion times, and it hit me different this week. Because the word is going to hit you different in different seasons and when you're going through different experiences. And uh, this time when I was reading this passage about Joshua, I was reading it differently. It, it was almost like I, can, I could feel a little bit more of what he might be feeling. I know that if God is saying this, it means he needs to know this. That means that there might be times where he doesn't realize that God is with him. And I want you to catch that, that this wasn't just a verse for, for us to talk about loneliness uh, when the topic comes up. This wasn't just something for us to put in our back pocket. This is something that should be ever expanding and unfolding and unveiling in our lives and something that we need to hold on to. And there are gonna be seasons that you go through where you do not realize that God is with you. And sometimes it's like you can't see where he is in your life and you can't see how he's moving. And, jo and God is saying to Joshua, there are going to be times where you don't, know for sure, and I need you to know for sure. You have been called. You have been commissioned. God has people on the other side of your yes to him. Many of us, we wrote down something last week. We, we, we had a vision night last week where, um, where we were talking about the vision that God has put over the house and and at the end of the message, we took a few minutes just to write down what God was speaking to us about our next step and what he might be calling you to do to be a part of the vision that he's put on this house. 
All that really comes down to is what you're going to do in this season of life to be a part of the great commission, the great calling, what you're going to do once you cross over and you enter into this promised place. The promised place for the believer in Jesus Christ is the great commission. Making disciples. And you need to understand the same thing that Joshua needed to understand, the same thing that the disciples needed to understand, that one, it's not gonna be easy, and you're gonna need help, and you need to know God is with you. You cannot do the mission of God, the calling of God, alone. You need to understand that God is with you. Some of you guys have ideas that are from God, but you're not supposed to just run off away from God and execute them. It's God is with you wherever you go. Some of you guys have been called into a particular work environment and you can't figure out for the life of you why you are in that work environment. You're there because wherever the sole of your foot treads, God is given to you. And it's not about just your personal prosperity and your financial flourishing, not that God doesn't want you to flourish, but the territory that we really take as believers is for the kingdom of God. And what he says to Joshua, wherever the sole of your foot treads, I've given to you. And I believe that you and I need to understand that today, the environment that you've been called into, if your foot is there, it's been given to you and God is with you. How would you operate really understanding that. Like if you showed up to work understanding, okay, if my foot is here, it's been given to me. What's been given to me? Territory for the kingdom of God. How does it get taken over? Well, it's not my kingdom. I'm just a representative. I need God with me. But here's what, here's what happens. The enemy throws every distraction possible at you. Every distraction possible, every discouragement possible. And I feel like that's happening at a different level in this season. Some of you guys have been getting hit where it hurts because that's what the enemy does. And I need you to know that that's what the enemy does lest you will believe that it's what God does. But God is not interested in your destruction. He, he, hasn't, he hasn't brought you into doom and destruction. He's brought you into the kingdom of God. He's brought you into marvelous light. He's brought you into life and life more abundantly. And David, I think, got it right when he said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That means even when you're walking with God, because he says, because you're with me. That means God what we want God to do is we're walking towards the valley of the shadow of death, and we want God to be like, turn right. <laughs> Avoided the valley of the shadow of death, and that's a blessing. That's what we want God to do. That's what I want God to do. God, please, when you see the valley of the shadow of death coming up in the GPS, I need you to reroute, present some new options. But that's not what he does. He walks with us 
through the valley of the shadow of death. And, and if I look at Joshua and the Israelites and everything they were going to run into, they had to go into battle. Like, they didn't get to just walk into the land and everybody just left. They actually had to battle and win. Now, God gave them the victory because he says, everywhere that the sole of your foot treads is yours. I've given it to you. But once he got there and saw the opposition, he still had a decision to make. And this is why he had to understand that God was still with him. And this is why you have to understand that God is with you. Like when you've received Christ, this is why he says that he sends the Holy Spirit. And I need us to understand this. He sends the Holy Spirit to dwell within you. And then God is with you. Sometimes I have to remind myself of that because I don't feel like that. But how I feel does not change what is true. And my mind does not always sense the presence of the spirit. But I have to align my mind with the truth that he's here that he dwells within me, that he's shown me in times past that he's with me. This is why this moment was so important for Joshua and for the disciples. Notice that, that Joshua is told this and the disciples are told this, that, that the disciples could have just gone off of what was said in Joshua 1, right? That God told Joshua that he was with him. And so now we know that God is with us. No, Jesus reiterated and said, go, go, go. And understand, look, behold, I am with you always. They were going to go through some of the most challenging things that anybody could go through. And they had to understand that God was with them. And there would be times where I'm sure it didn't feel like it. I know that Peter was chained in a prison, chained to the guard and fell asleep. And then an angel appears and wakes him up and walks him out the prison. I... I can only imagine that as he's chained to the guard, he's thinking, it's over. I've run my race and I'm here alone. But he wasn't there alone. And God shows up, walks him out. And if, if you just think about the reality of what we see the fathers of the faith go through, it's very, very sobering. And it challenges me because I like 2023 in comparison to that. And the temptation is to think, well, that was for them. Me, I just get blessings and no challenges and no suffering. And if suffering occurs, then something wrong has happened. But the truth is that in this life, you will have trouble. This is what Jesus says, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And one of the, thing, one of the ways we take heart is to remember that God is with us. God is with you. God is with you in the most challenging seasons of your life. Are you with God? Because that's the tension that you're going to face in your soul, in your mind, is am I going to be with God? Or am I going to be with 
my feelings, with my sadness, with my doubts, with numbing my mind on social media and with entertainment and with partying? Am I going to be with the world or am I going to be with God? And that's the tension that you and I are going to face every day. And it's the only way, I mean, answering yes to that question is going to be the only way that we actually fulfill the calling that God has put on our lives. If we say, no, we're not going to be with God, then where are we going to go? There's only one road. Peter understood this. A bunch of disciples left Jesus and and Jesus turns to the 12 and he says, are you going to leave too? And Peter says, where are we going to go? We already know who you are. You alone have the words of eternal life. Where else is there to go? And I want to remind you tonight that it's not bad news. It's good news that there's nowhere else to go. And I want to remind you tonight that there is nowhere else to go. There is nowhere else that you're going to find life. You'll find distractions. You'll find numbness. You'll find temporary pleasure and then a steep decline. You'll find messiness. You'll find challenges. You'll find complexity. You'll find making your life more complex than it needs to be because you're moving in your feelings. But you find life when you're with God. And you need to understand that God is with you. God is not leaving you. He tells Joshua, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. Could you imagine how Joshua must have felt the times that he wasn't feeling it? Follow me. The times that he wakes up and he's like, I don't feel like doing this anymore. I don't want to lead these people anymore. He might think, I know God's leaving now. Joshua has a bad day. Curses out all of Israel. I know God's leaving now. If God did not previously say, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, Joshua might actually believe that God would leave him. And do you know how dangerous that belief is? Especially if it's not true. And one of the comforting things that I find is that God won't leave me. Doesn't matter how I'm feeling. And so it helps me to correct how I'm feeling because I know God's not going anywhere. So where am I going to go? Where are you going to go? I might as well stick around and see his goodness. David says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David made a lot of mistakes. David sinned severely. And yet he understood that goodness and mercy would follow him all the days of his life, that God wouldn't leave him even even when he messed up, even when he got it wrong, even when he fell back into his old ways, even when he had the wrong attitude and the wrong feelings, even when he didn't feel like praying, didn't feel like reading, God still wasn't leaving because God is good. Even when you're not. And you need to understand if you're going to do anything of significance, that at a certain point, you're going to stop being impressive to yourself. And I need you to understand this, that beforehand, you're really excited and and the world is your oyster. And then as you step into anything, I mean, just think of anything that you have wanted to do and then you started doing it. And then after a while, it doesn't matter what it is, you stop appreciating it. 
It doesn't matter if it's, if it's a relationship, friendship. God, I'm so alone. I need community. And then you get community. And after a while, you stop responding. Right? You stop responding to invitations and calls. And, oh, I can go. Oh, I might not go. You get into a relationship. And you were so lonely. And you wanted a relationship. And now after a period of time, God, why did you make relationships so hard? Why did you make this so challenging? I remember when I was single and I could just, this, this is the nature of what we do. And especially when you're talking about doing something of significance, this is, this is what's so important for us to understand in younger years, that at a certain point, you're going to stop being impressive to yourself. And at that point, there are things that you need to understand because it is at that point that you have to make a decision as to whether you are where you are because you deserve to be there and because you're amazing or because God has called you and he just said where the sole of your foot treads, I've given it to you and I'm never gonna leave you and I'm never gonna forsake you and, I'm, and I've chosen you and I'm with you always. No matter what happens, I'm with you and I'm available to you. Otherwise, you'll be ready to quit. Some of you guys don't even understand the reality of what God is calling you into. And you have, a, you have like a, a very optimistic view of what the evangelistic call on your looks like, life looks like. The evangelistic call on your life is, is about reaching people. It's about how God has wired you to spread the message of the gospel. And you have a very optimistic view of it, and that is good. But what's dangerous about being too optimistic is you do not anticipate challenges. And when you don't anticipate challenges, challenges take you out because it's the hit that you didn't see coming that knocks you down. And if you can, if you can take a more sober look and say, okay, God is calling me, but not because I'm just amazing, because I'm going to let myself down if I think that way. For instance, you may be called to reach a certain group of people. It might be your workplace, it might be your family. It might be a particular industry. And when you get in it, like you might strategize and come up with a plan and we have vision night and you write out the vision and then when you get in it with people for an extended period of time, there's gonna be some questions in your mind. Do I have what it takes? Like, do I even have the patience? Do I have the grace? I didn't anticipate it being this challenging. I didn't anticipate additional challenges because for some reason, it's natural to us. We think that stepping into calling looks like we step into calling. We're using our talents, our giftings. We're anointed. And everything else in our life is taken care of so that we can focus on our calling and our gifting. And then what happens is stuff around you seems to not be taken care of. And so then you're like, what is this calling? And how do I manage this? And challenges happen and people get sick and people disappoint you and people talk about you and people hurt your feelings and people reject you and people misunderstand you. And that thing that you tried to do that you felt like was good, somebody might not say it's good. 
And the reason that I'm saying all this is because these are the things that really take place. Like in, in conversations, and I, and I look around the room, and, and all the time now, I look around the room, and I just think about all the faces that are in here. And there are so many fresh faces, and there are fewer and fewer and fewer very familiar faces. And the reality is, there seems to be a life cycle on how many of us interpret Christianity and church and calling. And what I see happen very often is this this fast trajectory up, 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 up. And then we get to a point where we don't think about it. We don't think it's like this, but it is like this. We get to this point, I'm so on fire. I'm so amazing. I'm so called. And then I think I got this. I think I got this and I do not need anybody and I definitely do not need humility. And I got this. And then steps are taken in faith and your your previous community isn't hearing from you as much anymore because you're doing so much for the Lord. And then what happened to you? Where are you? Nobody knows because you got to a point where you realize, I don't think that I'm who I thought I was. And I didn't stick around long enough to know that I was never going to be who I thought I was. And I needed to have a deeper understanding of who God is. And I say that not to condemn anybody. First of all, people go, people leave. God calls people different places. God has called people to do amazing things, especially from this ministry, different states, different callings, different careers, missions work, all those things. Nothing wrong with that. But I've also seen kind of a history of this cycle that doesn't end up in the place that people expected to be. And and it's so frequent that when we get this mindset, this overconfident mindset, that we get taken out by the enemy. Over my sabbatical, Many of you guys know I don't watch a lot of TV or entertainment. I just don't. It's a personal thing. I don't know how y'all have so much time on your hands anyway. But I don't watch a lot. But I started watching this documentary called Our Planet, the second one, on Netflix. And it was just phenomenal to me. I don't even know how I came across it, probably because there doesn't seem to be anything good or positive or not extremely dark on Netflix. But... I come across our planet and I'm, and I'm watching these animals and it's phenomenal to me. First of all, there's a lot more going on on the earth than I think we realize sometimes. Sometimes we're so immersed in our own world and our own thoughts and what we have going on that we don't realize like how much God is really doing. That God is like when Jesus says to the disciples, consider the birds of the air. Like They don't sow and reap. They don't work and God still feeds them. And then you look at like nature. It's so complex. There's so much taking place. I'm like, God, if we weren't here, there would still be a lot to do. Like just with the animal kingdom, there's just a lot to observe and take care of and and all those things. And I was looking at uh, lions and these buffalo. And the buffalo are way bigger than the lions. 
So they're very difficult to take down, especially when they're together. And so when they're hurting, and I mean, there's like millions of them at one time traveling toward the water and the lions, there's only a few of them. There was like six of them waiting on this herd of buffalo, millions of them to come to the water that they needed. And while they're together, the lions are just watching because they can't do anything while they're herding together because one, they're enormous and then them being enormous and together makes it like impossible. They'll just trample the lions. So what do they do? They just wait for the ignorant, lazy, perhaps overconfident buffalo that felt like he didn't need to keep up with the pack. And you see him just kind of roaming around, feeling confident in his buffaloness. And the lions start roaming around, prowling around, seeking something to devour. And they end up taking down an isolated buffalo that they would not be able to take down if it were together where it's supposed to be. And the scriptures tell us, Peter says, your enemy, the devil, roams around, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. He says, submit yourself to God and resist the devil and he'll flee from you. But it's so important that we, that we actually obey the teachings of Jesus. We have to understand that God is with us. We don't wanna get overconfident in, in our abilities and get out in front of God and get out in front of his people and get out in front of his church because we are much safer together than we are alone. And it's also wisdom for you to have for the people around you because inevitably this is gonna happen. People in your small groups, friends that you have, it just happens all the time that people get picked off in isolation. And you can see when people start kind of drifting off. And I'll tell you, me naturally, like who I naturally am, just naturally, I don't care. So it's challenging for me because I don't want it to be my business. Personally, I'm just being honest with you guys because otherwise you guys might think, oh, it's, well, it's easy for him and I'm busy and I have stuff going on. I'm telling you that many a times I'm acting against just my natural inclinations to reach out, especially when somebody starts acting funny. You guys know what I'm talking about. People start acting funny and they just, okay, we'll go. <laughs> but, but... If we all take that mindset, then people are gonna to continue to get picked off because people start acting funny when the enemy starts pulling them into isolation. And scripture tells us, man, that, that it is good for us to save someone who's in sin and like snatching them out of fire and putting the fire out. Not that you can save everybody, but we should still try we should still care about the people around us when we see them drifting into isolation. And when we ourselves are tempted to go into isolation, it's an indicator that we are going the wrong way. 
nothing good happens there. You may want it to. You may think that you're going to be the super person who overcomes it, but it just doesn't work that way because God has not designed it that way. Even when we see him commission Joshua, when we see him commission the disciples, he doesn't commission any individuals. And we want individual everything. And some of that is just our culture. It's our Western culture. But that's not biblical. And we want our calling to be in isolation so often. And we think that we can step away from people, disconnect from people, not be a part of community, and still operate in purpose and calling. And that's just not how God works. It's not. Your purpose, your calling, it is to the people of God. It just is. And if you think your calling is just to the world, you're also missing it. Because Jesus didn't say that he's going to build just you and have you go out and save the world. He said he's going to build the church and that the gates of hell would not prevail against the church. And you trying to go out by yourself and save the world is like the buffalo trying to go out and have a conversation with the lions. You're called, you're commissioned but you need to understand a few things. The first thing is that God is with you. The second thing is that strength and courage must be maintained. In verse seven, he says, only be strong and very courageous. And that really rung out to me because he says all these things that he's gonna do, I'm gonna be with you just like I was with Moses. And everything, everywhere your foot treads, uh, I've given it to you and I'm gonna be with you. You have one job, strength and courage. Why would he say that? Most of us think that when it's the, the leader or even us, like we think once we get into position, like, well, we, we're just gonna have everything that we need. And again, overconfidence tells us that our strength is just gonna be there and we're amazing. And the truth is that God knows, even if you've been really strong in the season that you're in, what you're heading into is a greater challenge than you've ever faced before. And it's gonna start exposing maybe insecurities that the previous season did not expose, and not just insecurities, but what about doubts? What about exhaustion? These are things that we don't talk about often, but the truth is that doing anything significant over, over a stretched period of time is going to start depleting you if you allow it to. And if you keep allowing it to, it becomes dangerous because you're going to tap out. And this is, why jo- this is why Joshua was told, be strong and courageous because the other side of that is to be weak and to be timid. And there's going to be temptation to be weak and to be timid, no matter how strong and courageous you may feel right now or how strong and courageous you used to feel or how strong and courageous you feel in one environment, another environment can bring something totally different out of you. Different people can bring something totally different out of you. And there's a temptation to be weak and to be timid. And this is why Paul would say that, he, that God has not given you a spirit of fear or timidity is the word used there. Saying that he has not given you a spirit that makes you timid, but a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Why? Because we are all tempted with fear, with doubt, with timidity to shrink back to act in weakness, and we need to be reminded that strength and courage are available to us. The first way that we access that is to remember that God is with us because it's not just about your personal strength. It's not just about your, your talents and your physical strength. It's about 
who you are in Christ, whose you are. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. When's the last time you needed strength that was not your own? Perhaps it was the last time you felt exhausted and wanted to quit and thought that that was the end. And the truth is that was the end of your strength. That was the end of your strength. And then it was time for the strength of Christ to give you the ability to do all things because you did all things that you could do in your strength. God is with you. And he encourages us to be strong and very courageous. And if we're gonna be in this for the long haul, we have to understand that strength and courage aren't just received in a moment, but they're maintained over time. How do you maintain strength and courage over the long haul? It's, it's closeness with God. And closeness with God is not always what we think it is. Closeness with God, most of the time, we limit to our spiritual disciplines. And so what's dangerous about that is if you haven't been as disciplined as you feel like you should be lately, then you're tempted to believe that you're not close to God in that moment. But he says that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He says that he dwells within you. You are the temple of God. Does God leave you when you mess up? Are you no longer the temple when you mess up? Well, I know that that's not the case because Paul was having a discussion in the scriptures saying, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Would you join your body with a prostitute? Pay attention to what he's saying here. He's saying God isn't leaving. When you do that, God is right there. When you're in fornication and sexual sin, God doesn't leave you. God is right there. So Paul is saying, how could you join the temple of the Holy Spirit with a prostitute? Because even in your sin, God doesn't leave you and does not forsake you. And, and that might step on some of our theology. I just can't find in the scriptures where he says, when you sin, God leaves. He says, when you sin, repent. Well, if God left, then does God leave every time I sin and he waits till I repent to come back? No, he would be, he'd be leaving every day, all day, <laughs> just bouncing back and forth. It's, it's not the case. And so then it's our responsibility to steward ourselves accordingly. And so then when we're talking about maintaining strength and maintaining courage and that being nearness to God, Many times that's, an, that's a reminding ourselves of God's nearness to us. And in that moment, bringing our soul near to him. You know how I do that? God, I know you're here right now. I may be frustrated right now. I may be stressed right now. I may be tired right now. God, I know you're here. And that immediately starts adjusting my posture because I acknowledge that he's here. But if I fall into the trap of not really believing that he's with me, then I start limiting his proximity to me based on my performance. And then inevitably, as time goes on, 
I realize that my performance isn't as good in the long haul as I thought it would be. And so then I become disappointed in my relationship with God. And then I start tapping out of the mission that he's called me to. And this is the trick and the deception of the enemy. And the truth is that God is better to us than many times we even want to admit. That God's grace is available to us as we receive it. Because it's given to us through Jesus Christ. And the sacrifice that he made, it stands and it does not change. And the sin that you commit tomorrow is still paid for by the blood of Jesus. He does say that he still stands to judge the living and the dead. There will be an account that we give to him with what we've done in the body. And, but the reality is for the believer, it's not about your performance and your behavior. It is about your belief. Have you received Christ in your faith, in your belief? Have you truly received him? Then that should be reflected in your behavior. But the truth is, your behavior is never going to be perfect. So you cannot limit your understanding of God's love for you and proximity to you on your performance. You have to understand it through the lens of what Jesus has accomplished, and then you allow him to cleanse you. When he brings up conviction to you that you need to change something, you change it. But you don't need to spend all day thinking, well, God's not close to me because I'm messing up. and Just change it and move forward. And if you don't know how to change it, then you bring that to him. God, I don't know how to change this. I keep messing up. Notice how I keep taking a step towards him. And it's in that that you will maintain strength and maintain courage because it's when you don't feel like God is with you that you really become weakest. But when you understand that God is with you, he is your strength. And you can remain courageous knowing that God is with you and that God is for you. And he is always for you. This is what the Israelites had to understand, that no matter where they went, God was for them. He was for them. He was for them. This is why he said, wherever the sole of your foot treads, that resonated with me so much. Because to me, that meant that they had to have an ongoing reminder. God could use any of the words that he wanted to, but they had to have an ongoing reminder that God was with them and that what, where they were standing was given to them. Because the moment that they doubt, they start losing courage. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that they lose the land. It was given to them. But if they lose awareness of that, that's when they start shrinking into timidity and to discouragement. And I believe that God wants to break that off of many of us tonight. Discouragement is not from him. Defeat is not from him. This idea that God's plans for you are not good, that is not from him. His plans for you are good. In fact, they're so good that he even is using the difficult things that you're going through for your good. Paul said that I'm convinced that all things are working together for the good, not just for God's good, but for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purposes. Do you know that God is working things together, not just for his good, but for your good? And he also said, I'm convinced that there is nothing on this planet that could separate us from the love of God, not height, not depth, not angel, not demon. There is nothing on this planet that can separate us 
from the love of God. And the more that we understand that, the more that we cling to that, we will be able to maintain strength and maintain courage. The last thing that we need to understand is you need to understand your true key to success. So you need to know that God is with you. Strength and courage must be maintained. And you also need to understand your true key to success. Joshua 1.8, God says this to Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. That is beautiful. That is amazing. But that's also not it because he was having that conversation with Joshua. And Joshua had the book of the law and Joshua and Israel were under the law of Moses at that time. And so they had to be obedient to all that was in the law in order to be prosperous and to be successful. Now, remember what happens. We just talked about what happens when we base our proximity to God, our prosperity, our success on our performance. We inevitably fail. And that's what we see Israel do really over the long haul is they failed, which is why God had to come and do something different. And God sent his own son in the likeness of human flesh to live a perfect life, a sinless life, to completely obey the law and fulfill it. In Jesus coming and completely obeying the law, every jot, every tittle, every aspect, every detail of the law, he completely obeyed it. And in fully obeying it, he fulfilled it. Then... After fulfilling the law, being completely obedient, completely sinless, completely blameless, he then went to the cross, falsely accused, misjudged, beaten, murdered. And on that cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then before he breathed his last breath, he says, it is finished. What was finished? the fulfillment of the law and the forgiveness of your sin. Because in fulfilling the law of Moses and then being spotless, blameless as a human, sacrificing himself, he then took on the punishment for your sin and he was the only one worthy to do it. He was the only one who could be substituted. Otherwise, you would just have to be punished for your sin. And you couldn't be a substitute for anybody else because you were being punished for your sin. But Jesus was not punished for his sin. He was punished for your sin because he never committed sin. This was the plan of God, that God himself would take on the sins of the world and nail them to a cross and triumph over the enemy in the kingdom of darkness on your behalf and nailing your debt, nailing your sin to the cross, you were forgiven. And then he was raised from the dead. So it was finished. Here's where we're going with this. He tells his disciples before they go on their mission in Acts 1.8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So God told Joshua that he had to fulfill the law in order to be successful. 
No person except for Jesus Christ has ever succeeded in completely being obedient to the law, but Jesus Christ was completely obedient to it and took on your sin so that you could take on his righteousness. So now, when you receive Jesus Christ, you also receive the righteousness of Jesus Christ. This is why the Bible says that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So you receive his righteousness. So God looks at you like Jesus. So this is why his closeness to you, your ability to prosper, your ability to succeed is not hinged on your obedience to the law because the law was now fulfilled. Now it's about you being found in Christ, but you do need the Holy Spirit. And here's the amazing thing about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in you and then doesn't let you just do whatever you want to do. So it's not about the fact that it's just a free-for-all. It is about the fact that your success and your prosperity is not based on your performance, but it is based on you relying on the Holy Spirit. And this is why you have to understand your true key to success. And this is where many people have it wrong, and especially cults that try to go back into the law and apply the law and think that their righteousness is found in the law. Everything in the New Testament tells us that that's not the case. Your righteousness can never be found in obeying the law. If you read through the letter of Galatians, he says, who has bewitched you? And starting by means of the spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Saying that it was the spirit of God that drew you to Jesus Christ. Jesus says that no man can come to me unless the father draws them. It is a work of the spirit of God that we even put faith in Christ. So how could we go to trying to obey the law of Moses to try to get righteousness and salvation when it started through the spirit? So if it starts through the spirit, it finishes through the spirit. But the spirit is gonna keep us obedient to the commands of Jesus. Does that make sense? So it's not about just reading the Old Testament law and trying to obey the law and trying to follow what Joshua was commanded because Jesus fulfilled what Joshua was commanded. But Jesus then told his disciples, make disciples teaching them all that I have commanded you. So it's so important as somebody who wants to step into calling, as somebody who wants to live in calling and purpose, somebody who wants to live the life that God has created you to live, it's so important that you understand this that you have to rely on the Holy Spirit. And you know how that takes place? It starts by reading the word so that you have a gauge on when it's the spirit leading you because the spirit leads you into all truth and truth is found in the word of God. And Jesus speaks to us through the spirit of God. I read something earlier that said this, that, that when the disciples were with Jesus, they experienced the spirit through the presence of Jesus. Now, Jesus has left and sent the Spirit, and we experience the presence of Jesus through the Spirit. I want you to catch this. You being in the presence of the Holy Spirit, how are you in the presence of the Holy Spirit? He says he dwells in you when you receive Christ. So now you experience the presence of Jesus through the presence of the Holy Spirit. That means that's how you follow Christ, is you're following the Spirit. Reading the word of God is the easiest gauge and guide to that because Jesus is the word. Jesus is the living word. You want to follow that. And then, somebody say, and then. And then you follow the convictions and the promptings and the leadings of the spirit. But you don't skip over the word and try to interpret promptings and voices because that's not how you hear God. 
you're going to have to filter anything you hear in your mind through what the word of God says. And it's inevitable that the Holy Spirit will speak to you, but you're not going to know who's talking if you do not know the word of God. And the spirit of God is focused on the word of God on the voice of God, on the mind of God, and he wants to communicate that to you. And so we have to understand our true key to success is found in the power of the Holy Spirit. So anything you're stepping into, any vision that God has given you, any, any plan, any mission that he's given you, any space that he wants you to step into, you have to know that he's with you, and that is why you will have any success there. It is because he's with you. Two, you have to understand that strength and courage have to be maintained, and most of that is going to be maintained by remembering that he's with you. And third, you have to understand your true key to success is not found in your giftings. It's not found in your talents. It's not found in just your natural abilities. Those have a, a limit, a cap, a lid on them, and you will exhaust yourself trying to rely simply on those and strictly on those. You need the power of the Holy Spirit, and you have to know what he's focused on in order to follow him correctly. He's focused on people coming to know Jesus. So often, we'll experience the power of the Holy Spirit in conversations. Stepping out and having a conversation with somebody, God will lead that conversation. God will speak through you, have you sharing your story. There are so many ways that God wants to lead you. And we're thinking that, God, that, God, that being in the power of the Holy Spirit always means these grand displays. And it's not that he doesn't want to do miracles. It doesn't mean that he doesn't want to do signs. But he also wants to have conversations. And he also wants us to do the basic fundamentals like caring about people and loving people. And many times that is the bridge. That is the draw to Jesus. And that's what he wants you to do in spaces that you're stepping into, especially in this day and age. Because just going in places and trying to preach without getting into a relationship with people, I think is going to continue to become more and more of a challenge. But if we become good at going into, in, stepping into relationship with people and friendship with people and caring about people and allowing the Holy Spirit to move through us in that by becoming obedient to the teachings of Jesus and being submitted to the, to the leadings and the promptings that he gives us, that's where we'll find success. So I want to close here. Back on the, the Great Commission, and I want us to just take a minute to, to read this and to digest this. Jesus came and said to his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That commission is still active. That is still God's expectation. That is still what he's wanting to do through you. That is still your purpose, your calling. God still has that in front of you, no matter what you've been facing lately, no matter how you've been feeling lately. That is what God has in front of you. If you've been feeling insignificant 
or, or purposeless lately, you have to understand that, that this is still embedded in the people of God. This isn't going anywhere. And if you are a part of the people of God, this is still your purpose. We don't make up our own purpose. God gives us our purpose. And this is still your purpose. And, and God wants you to do this in a unique way, but he also wants you to do this connected to his people. So you have your individuality. Yes, you are unique. Yes, you were, you were formed and fashioned in a very unique way, but God wants your uniqueness to come into unity with the other unique people around you. And this is what he wants us to accomplish. This is the only reason we're gathered here today is because God cares about you and he also cares about other people. God cares about you being a part of his family and he also cares about everyone else being a part of his family. So he wants to speak to you and encourage you and fill you up and lift you up and remind you of his love for you and his care for you and that you are a part of his family. And then he wants to remind you that you have a mission to go. To go. Go. Make disciples. Not just invite them to church. Not just send them a sermon. Not that any of those things are, are wrong. Many times those things are included in making disciples. But the truth is that when we limit ourselves to that, we outsource discipleship. And God does not want you to outsource it. He wants you to make disciples. There are just unique things that God has put in you that he wants to use in a unique way to support people, to contribute to them. Some of you guys have been given resources and God wants to use the resources that you've been given to draw people, to support people, to impact people. Some of you guys, he wants to use your generosity to reach people and it has to be submitted to God or else you're not gonna be generous in your flesh. Some of you guys do not have the resources that you feel like you need, but you have a gifting that God may want to resource another way. And then there needs to be collaboration there. And so you have to, man, God, where are the resources for the vision that you've given me? Sometimes he puts the resources in somebody else's hand and gives you the vision because he wants his people to work together. And that's frustrating. But the truth is that your, your purpose just can't exist in isolation. And many times there's, there's components and things that you need that are found in here, in the people of God. And as you get connected and as we collaborate, we're able to function as the body. And so last week we, we, we talked about vision. Tonight, I do believe that God wanted us to talk about crossing over and the things that we need to understand. And I believe that he wanted to speak to us about some next steps. As a church, we've adopted this entire concept of one step, that God leads us one step at a time, that even, even if a bunch of things rushed into you tonight, there's still just one step that he wants you to take first. And for some of you guys, maybe you weren't overwhelmed with vision. Maybe you didn't get a, a whole vision for your life, but he did prompt you to maybe do one thing. And so that's what I want us to, to close with tonight. I want to take a moment. We're, we're gonna put a two minute timer up and you're gonna have an opportunity to just sit and receive and document. What is your next step? And then we're gonna do something really cool 
After the two-minute timer, we're going to put a five-minute timer where you'll have an opportunity to just briefly share that with the people around you and pray. It's five minutes, small groups. Do not let anybody be by themselves. Do not get up and leave. Just be a part of the body of Christ. Some of y'all are looking at me mad. I didn't call y'all the body of Christ. God did, okay? I didn't tell you that he wanted you to do this together. God said it. And so that's who we are here to follow. And so that's who we're gonna follow. And he says many times to communicate with each other. If two of you agree on anything, if two or three of you ask for anything, there's a common thread throughout the scriptures that God cares about when we share things with the people around us and more happens together than will happen on our own. And so you'd be surprised that just speaking it out, one, makes it real. And two, praying about it puts things into action. Because he says, if two or three of you ask for anything in my name, it will be done by my Father in heaven. I believe that, so I'm giving us the opportunity to do that. It's a five-minute timer, so it doesn't even need to be a long discussion. Share briefly what your next step is, and then just pray with each other.